0: to another episode of the Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. Here's into myself, Albert, and as always, joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, good, man. I
1: haven't really got much to say. How are you?
0: <laughs> very good, very good. And of course, we've got uh, Kevin Fernandez with us. Kevin, friend of the show, uh, becoming something of a Longball Football regular. You might have overtaken Jamie Farr as, as the most guested person now this is your third appearance so thank you for joining us mate
2: yeah always an honor guys so yeah i'm basically the third brother here uh <laughs> soon, soon enough i'll be taking over but yeah all good it's always always a pleasure to be on here with you guys uh always a pleasure to talk about the entertainment that's never ending apparently in portugal there's always something going on as we know so yeah i'm sure we'll have a long episode again today and i'm I've got to say I was stressed yesterday for reasons that we're going to soon get into. But mm. hey, we're heading into a much-needed international break, as much as no one wants them. It's Somewhat yeah. needed, and I'm going into it happy. <laughs> so
0: yeah. Do you uh, do you want to declare your allegiances for anybody who, who doesn't know?
2: Uh, I don't know if anyone can see my background. <laughs> this, is, or anything, this is not a video podcast. <laughs> yeah. I've got about eight sporting shirts on my wall, so I might support them, but I'm going to stay as unbiased as possible. Uh, Just a side note, it's not going to be possible. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, kevin is uh, obviously a big sporting fan but also um very knowledgeable about the league and uh, a journalist himself so this is gonna be a great episode uh, probably get stuck into it as always just a reminder that if you enjoy the show uh, you can leave us a little review on apple Podcasts, a little star rating on spotify send the show to a friend that you think might enjoy it or even better yet if you really want to give us a helping hand you can become a long ball football socio for just one pound a month on our Patreon page, Uh, so definitely go check that out if you want. Where better to start this week, though, gentlemen, than with sporting? Um, I think it will ease Kevin in gently this week, talk about uh, the team with his heart. But it was a great game, Um, a game which proved to be a bit more of a headache than I think anticipated. Sporting beat Aruka 2-1 after dominating the early part of the game, going a goal ahead, But having uh, Diomande sent off Um, after that, they allowed Aruka back into the game. They got a goal back, but they did earn themselves a 2-1 win by digging deep uh, and grinding out a very important result. It was a very poor sending off from the ref. I'll leave it up to you guys how much you want to dwell on that. Um... I think the positive you can take from the whole situation though is that we a team faced with that kind of issue, with that kind of adversity, showed um a good amount of mental strength to kind of get over that obstacle. And it turned out to be a hugely important when that keeps sporting top of the table. Kevin, I'll come to you first, your thoughts, reflections on the game.
2: Yeah, I I'll put one tweet out about the the sending off itself. Obviously, we don't want to keep on banging about the referees, but every week it seems like we have some sort of drama going on and they have to be the centre of attention, um, to put it very lightly. Both yellow cards are somewhat questionable. Um, at one point I had a lot of people around me just asking which one is actually worse out of the two yellow cards and it's actually ended up in the Amanda getting sent off. But the more, the biggest point you've already made really about is that these games make champions and some sort of mentality had to be shown and attitude and fight to still get something out of the game. Obviously, at the time, Sporting was still 1-0 up. But it's not an easy task against Oroca. They're a very organised team. Obviously, we know what they did last season, uh, fifth-place finish. They're constantly overachieving, constantly punching above their weight. So if there is one side you don't really want to face under these circumstances, Oroca will probably be up there with... The Your likes of Braga, Vittoria, obviously Porto Benfica, to not go into much detail. It was a very tough test. And even in the first 45, and obviously before the sending off, it was somewhat of a difficult game. Oroca were packing the the central areas very well, forcing Sporting wide. And it wasn't their best performance in, in terms of build-up. It looked like Hulmand was not as comfortable as he usually is with so much pressure around him. Um, Morita looked better even after the descending um, off, if anything, compensating for the loss of the man. But it looked like Spartan were being forced wide, and Xhgai and Nun Sench, they aren't the most fluid attacking fullbacks you're ever going to have. Xhgai just doesn't have that capacity in him to be someone who can create magic on those sides, as Nun or uh, as Nun Minch has done in the past, obviously, Pedro I don't think I even need to get into that. We see what we see. he does at Tottenham. Kikardesko uh, he pauses every attack. He doesn't have the technical quality to keep it going and progress. Um, he's very, very much a basic player. And sense, as much as he does try and force the opportunity forward, he just isn't brilliant at creating a variety of options. He seems like he needs to force the ball forward, and there just wasn't many opportunities to do so. So, on the flank, spotting looked somewhat. Devoid of ideas, if not for Marcus Edwards, just getting onto the ball, creating magic with the ball at his feet. And even he needs a certain situation and space in between the lines to create some some sort of an opportunity along those lines. So Widoka did very well to condition Sporting. And Sporting were not progressing the ball and switching the ball about with nearly enough intensity to try and surpass that. They did have a couple of uh, opportunities here and there. Gonçalves look a little bit better uh obviously yoish just seems to be that player anytime he get the, he gets the ball into his feet it doesn't matter what sort of pressure he's under he just forces an opportunity out of nothing it has a range of uh, just resources to use whether it's his strength his speed um even his he, he's quite a creative player for the sort of stature that he has now he can go left he can go right he Doesn't have any sort of problems taking the ball on and one, So it's not like Sporting are completely devoid of ideas in general. It just seemed somewhat more difficult in build-up than it usually is. And the second half, it didn't start in a particularly bad way. Sporting did still try and control the game. But as always, it seems to be their undoing. It looks like they just take the foot off the gas a little bit, bit too soon. And they just start dropping the lines a bit. And whenever Sporting does that, they've had enough lessons last season. Even this season, they've had enough warnings. They just don't have the defensive stability they had in that title winning season 2021 to be doing so. And once again, they get caught out by a very good cross coming from the right hand side or from the left hand side, I should say, Uh, Moukikab look, we know what his quality is. We know he likes to attack the box. He's a very, very, very difficult player to defend. Dumande was having his difficulties with him in the first half. And they reached the goal. And there was another couple of opportunities. Basically, everything that Uruka was creating, it seemed to be coming from the flanks with a cross in. And Spartan were just doing enough to try and stop one, the cross. And then is a variety of mistakes when the goal went in. I mean, Matios Khej and Kowacz just looked absolutely bewildered as to how Mukika was in such space. But after that, um, Amorin did what he had to do with Eduardo Koreshma. I don't know if we're going to get onto that a little bit later because it's always very, very controversial when a player comes on and gets taken off in the same half or even the same game. But moving to that sort of 4 4 1 formation to try and get that goal it de- definitely did work and obviously jenny comes on and also did that sort of work of taking the the whole of the right flank uh doing his thing obviously he's a very unpredictable player um still a very green player but it actually works in his favor for the sort of job he usually gets asked to do and uh yeah the goal comes up a great cross from pot morita seemed to be everywhere in the last game it's not his most refined performance of all time, but he was in the box when he had to be and he showed he has that capacity in the past. Uh, they reached the goal. Um, and after that, Oroka didn't really seem to have many ideas. Sporting managed to shut them down well, playing the the five in defence again. Um, and then the, the three in midfield, it eventually ended up being Berganza to shut out the game. But Pedro Gonçalves actually had a very important job as much as he's being criticised this season for somewhat of a lack of production in the final third. He did his thing in this game. He had a very good number of chances and uh ball's forward. And that sort of uh, positioning that he can take up, trying to compensate for two. Jokic, Morita, Pot and Jenny, they were all fundamental for that job. And it ends up being a very good win. Look, it's not glamorous, but I don't think any of the big three have been glamorous this season. And if we include Braga in it, it's been... A lot of late wins, a lot of uh, jammy wins, if you want to put it that way. But just late goals, nothing convincing. I don't think any of the teams have had that 4-0 where they just seem to walk through. And it's at these sort of times where teams all actually fear sporting a little bit more because they know the the potency of Jokic. But with Porto, they don't look convincing at all any stage of the season, even against Porto Mines, which we'll get onto. Not convincing at all. Um, and they haven't had a, a win more than what they got in the Champions League against Shakhtar, actually. Everything's been one goal margins. Benfica don't look the same as last season. They're still working out those dynamics. So Sporting actually showed a little bit of intent in this game and looked somewhat more threatening than both of these teams in this this game week against Soroka. And it's these sort of games where you need to put your mark on it, get a stamp on it, and not invite that sort of pressure, which they ended up doing in the first stage, but kind of shifted away from it later on. And try and instill some fear into the opposition, because there's a lot of great projects in this league, which we're going to get onto another of the, or a number of the other games involving teams outside of the big four, we'll put it. There's a lot of quality, so you can't get away with, just scraping wins each week. As much as stoppage time is becoming a factor, it won't work for Porto, Benfica, Sporting, or any team consistently. So it's a very good win. Obviously not in perfect circumstances, but they did what they had to do. Top of the league for now. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it comes from after the international break. There's obviously some some issues that need to be uh, sorted out, especially in that defence, because Kubanamani is very stubborn in his ways of working, and if he doesn't have the defence that he trusts, it doesn't look all that promising as much as a lot of sporting issues have hoped this season. There's a different feeling around the stadium, there's a different feeling around the club as a whole, there's the expectation for something, but it's far from perfect, it's far from perfect for every team which we'll get into. But yeah, it's three points. It's a difficult team that they faced at Alvalade last season. Obviously, there's a bit of a disaster in the history, in the making, from Oroca. So I don't think you can really ask for too much more, considering the circumstances. I think one thing
1: that was particularly important for Sporting in this game, and also um, so far this season as well, is scoring in the first half, right? I think it's... in the past few seasons it seems like they have so reliant on the late goals and it seems to as kevin alluded to sometimes it takes takes a while to get going i think well, obviously v2 Yoko is a huge factor in the fact that they're getting these goals in the first uh, half of games and you know f- um, theoretically if they hadn't have got that first goal and then day when they got sent off this this game could have panned out completely differently because i think um as, as you know a were a tough team and i think particularly with this uh change in formation where they sort of went for a, a sort of man-to-man formation against against sporting that that was quite difficult uh, for them to break down one thing I wrote down I don't know if you both agree with this is that I really I, I don't think Marcus Edwards makes that assist last season I, I, I think with 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 Jokas in the team and the movement as Kevin's beautifully described you know what he offers in that attack and the and the, the different options he does. I, I see Marcus Edwards was cutting in on that left and driving towards goal to try and get a shot off himself last season. This season, that was a great pick-out. He, he looked up, he, he saw, saw the run and he made a beautiful pass and I think that's one of the key differences in, 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 in sporting this season is is the fact that they're getting goals early on. There's this new element to attacking Jokic who's just a, I don't know. He's I, Probably Kevin would be a better to answer, to say than I, but I just feel like he seems like he's gonna. I'm just getting very excited. I thought like that he could be a really special striker in the city. he Looks like he's got everything to, to to be a, a top
2: top striker.
0: Yeah, I mean, arguably Sporting's best striker since. Who I don't know, Bastos, Jardel uh,
2: i I'll go wow, as much to okay. say that. And I didn't. I don't. Obviously, don't remember watching him. But even my dad says it's it's mm. a different physical presence, honestly, and technically he's not bad or anything. It's just the way that he creates everything out of nothing. That the 86th minute, there's a there's a, a play where an orc on the counter attack, and him, after 86 minutes relentless running, he manages to get back, make that tackle, and then he's charging at the defense again. Like, I've never seen a gas tank from a striker like it, honestly. It's. Actually, ridiculous some of the things he does.
0: Not since Musa Morego, perhaps. <laughs> uh, no, he's l- listen, he looks fantastic. And he, 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 you know, we see a lot of good strikers in, in Portugal. We've seen Darwin Nunes, we've seen, you know, we've seen Gonzalo Ramos, but a lot of these strikers that we we see, even Mediterranean perhaps, are quite one dimensional. Uh, the thing about Jocariz is he's got so many dimensions to his game. Um, I did think it was quite an like acting performance, although it did feel like a slightly different performance from Jocariz that we've seen perhaps in this early part of the season, a lot more running off the ball, a lot more running into channels, a lot more selfless running as well, you know, runs to to make space for teammates perhaps. Um, he ran 11 kilometres in this game alone. You know, absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, the most important thing is that he does get on the score sheet as well, which is some strikers can can lose that cutting edge with their finishing when they put so much effort in off the ball. He still seems to retain that. Um, I think the interesting thing about Jokic as well is that we're, we're still, in my opinion... Yet to see the best of him because he hasn't quite put in that 100% polished performance. He hasn't quite refined his role to exactly what it's going to be in this team. There are times, I think, when I've looked at him, I think he's trying to do too much. Um, I think there's times when perhaps his decision-making still isn't perfect. So the fact that he's contributed so much and still made such a good impression, despite, in my opinion, still not yet hitting the heights that I think he can in a sporting shirt is quite promising. You mentioned Marcus Edwards as well. I mean, we love an excuse to talk about Uh, Marcus Edwards on the show. I think he's in a really good patch of form. I definitely agree with what you said, Barney, that it's it's a better patch of form than he had all of last season. Probably one of his better patches of form since he's been at Sporting. It was a great assist. He almost did exactly the same thing a few minutes later as well. He put in almost exactly the same ball. Um, I think it was Quats and and Diamande who attacked it and even got on the end of it, but it was a delicious cross again. So um, I think whenever I think about Marcus Edwards. I look at him and I'm looking for the sign that he's he's ready to to just go to that next level that we're waiting for. That next level where he sets himself apart as one of the top top players in the league. I don't think he's quite done that yet. He's shown it in flashes. Um but still it was it was it was it was a joy to watch him in that in that sort of 20 minute spell in the half and is throughout the game. Um, I do find it interesting, Kevin, that you, you were saying Sporting haven't quite had that killer performance yet. For me, I thought that performance was 3-0 versus modern ends. Um I thought that was a very complete performance. Um, but then I was quite surprised that they then follow up with 3-2 against Ferenz in a game that becomes much more difficult than it needs to be. And then again, this one, although to be fair, um, circumstances out of their hands make the game a lot more difficult than uh, than perhaps it needs to be. Um I did, I did write I did write that about Marita as well. Obviously the man with the winning goal. His contribution to this team is often overlooked. Um, you know, he had Agate next to him last season who stole a lot of the 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 headlines. This season he has Hulman, the kind of exciting new signing who's taken a lot of the headlines. Um he's always been an excellent player. And I think him and, and Pedro Gonçalves, who has a lot has been said about Gonçalves kind of not having the best start to the season. Um which I think is fair, but I think he's done a lot right in a lot of his performances, and I think in a lot of those performances he's done everything right, other than the finish or the final ball, where he looks like he's lacked a bit of confidence. And I think that assist, hopefully, will be an important moment for him because that was a really good assist, and he finished off a really good move as well. So that's kind of back to the the um, the 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 Pedro Gustavus that we expect. Um, Kevin, I'll bring you back in here on on on. Uh, Eduardo Koreshma uh, and some perhaps some of, some of the substitutes. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Eduardo Koreshma was bought on as a defensive substitute. Was it at halftime or was it just after halftime? Anyway, he was brought on as a defensive substitute with sporting down to 10 men. And then he was bought off again for Luis Neto sort of five, 10 minutes before the game ended. He was obviously visibly very upset. I have to say, I completely forgot that he was even an option for sporting. I didn't know whether he was playing for the B team or on loan or, or something. But not just Koreshmar, Kevin, but also the types of substitutes that that is bringing on. Jenny Katama, who I think a very raw talent, but hasn't convinced me personally yet. Mateus Reis. I mean, I think back to the the, the Rees golden days where he was sort of playing that left centre-back spot, roaming forward, he looked fantastic, he's not quite the same player. Is that going to be an area this season which could perhaps be difficult for sporting you know Ruben Amorim having the right players to bring off the bench has he got players that he trusts to come off the bench and 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 make a difference in the game because you know games can be can be won and lost based on who you have available on the bench
2: yeah I mean a lot of criticism is made of Amorim and his decisions and his sort of persistence with certain things and what he doesn't do He he doesn't seem to be the pragmatic manager that some people want at times but Look, Edouard Quaresma was brought on about the 60th minute. He then came off around the 88th just for the closing minutes. Um, and when he explained it himself, he he saw Quaresma wasn't having the best game of his life. He was brought in for uh, a very specific role because obviously we we switched into that four four one, and he was playing that sort of right-hand side um, or right-sided uh, centre-back, right-back, however you want to see it, when Jenny pushes up. So... It makes sense when you're trying to go for it. A player with him, his sort of quality on the ball. Uh, he's he's played as a defensive midfielder at times in the academy, just because of that sort of natural talent he has with the ball at his feet. But in some in some duels, he did uh, he did lose them. He's not obviously the biggest physical presence. Um, he had some some situations where he still he still shows that despite he's not the youngest player in the world. He still has some sort of experience, like at um, the end of the nineteen twenty season, he was playing some games for Amorim when he came in. Obviously, lost his way with Neto, Fedal and Gonzalo Inacio then coming into the team. But he still shows a lot of raw ability and raw potential, especially when he's in for the duel. He, he hasn't quite got that decision-making anticipation on lock. So it makes sense. He had his, that yellow card. And Neto is obviously a lot more of a physical presence. He's a calmer presence. Obviously, he has his experience. So I do get why Amwading then decided to take him off. As much as it is a little bit... It, it, it's it's not great for a young lad who, obviously, he had his loan in Germany. He's had some tough times. And then this is the opportunity he gets after a pre-season where he did impress at times seemingly isn't an option for a while and then comes straight back into the team as if it's nothing and that's more where Mourinho gets a lot of his criticism he seems to throw a lot of plays into the deep end at random times like he put Fatau at left back against Porto which is probably the biggest example and very questionable to say the least and even last game against Atalanta Fresneda for his starting debut is thrown in at right back and he wasn't even considered an option for most of the game. Uh, It looked like that was a passing option for a large majority of the first half. So I do get a lot of the criticism. I believe it is justified in this case. But just to go into the options Sporting have in general, a conscious effort was made to get in players that will make a difference to the first team. Obviously, you needed to replace Poglu, who wasn't adequately replaced in January. Uh, Ugarte obviously left. You've been looking for a striker for... even since Paulinho came in, since Sporar came in, really since Bazdost returned and didn't even look quite himself. It's been a long time without that out-and-out striker you can really trust for a goal and for a constant presence and for production. So... It does make sense that all of the investment went for big signings to make a direct impact in the team now. Uh, as to last season where, obviously, Matheus Nunes ended up leaving after it was promised that he wouldn't. Tabata, who seemed to be like the the sort of agreement, will sell Tabata so you can keep Matheus Nunes. And when he obviously wasn't happy because both of them left and there were a lack of options. And then you get, went into the panic buys of Sotiris who... Is out on loan once again. Tenloungu, who came in January, is also out on loan. Artur Gomes, he's already left the club. Khashinga, the same. The same mistakes didn't want to get made, and we had enough of a a warning when even since um, before even before Amarin came to the club with um, the likes of Jesse Rodriguez and Balassi coming into the club. Look, history repeated itself a bit. The club didn't want to go in that direction. And they made good business, but you are going to suffer with the, the depth of the squad and just looking through the substitutes. You had Luis Neto, Daniel Braganza, Eduardo Quaresma, Jenny Catamo, Matheus Reis, Dario Essugo, who is another player who hasn't got much of a look in this season, Ivan Fresneda, Paulinho, and Franco Israel. So it's clear that Amorim does not trust a lot of these players. Franco Israel. Hasn't even appeared in the cup competitions yet this season. Uh, we'll see in the TAS of Portugal if he'll get his first appearance of the season. Dario, I've already mentioned, he doesn't seem to have too much confidence. Even Daniel Braganza, for certain games, he seems to have a very specific role. And it seems to me that Jenny, although he has more confidence of the manager, is a very similar player. He has a very specific role he needs to undertake in a concept, tont, sorry, context of the game that he needs to be put into. He needs a lot of space to run into and he needs some sort of uh, isolation on the right-hand side. So he can create that space and either go left or right. Now, he did play in a position that I actually quite liked against Atalanta, where he played on the left-hand side and his progression of the ball seemed very good. And obviously, he's not the most seasoned player, so his production is not great. So he's actually probably one of the best option spotting half of the bench and it's a player that didn't even make an impact at Maritim last season. He's actually one of the poorer wingers which we'll get into Felix Correa who's at Gil Vicente is another player that was at Maritim when he made much more of an impact. Mathilde Reis uh, got slightly mentioned. I'm not a fan of him one bit because I couldn't tell you what his best position is. I couldn't tell you what his best quality is apart from being able to play centre-back and left-back he brings absolutely nothing to the side I can't remember the last time he's completed a a successful cross so it's it's just beggar's belief how a club of this dimension still has a bench with this quality and it will definitely be Sporting's undoing be it a lot of injuries which obviously there was a little bit of a scare when Kouatis picked up an injury which ended up not to be serious but you're going to have a period in January where Diomanda is going to go to the Africa Cup of Nations. Morita will be going to the Asian Games. Jenny will also be leaving. So you just need Kouatis and St. who are not perfect in terms of injury records. And you're looking at serious problems here because you're going to have to mix around uh, defenders who obviously have quality. They can play different roles. But switching around Inacio and Diomanda every every other game it's not perfect for the dynamics, and it's probably why Sporting suffer a bit. So, look, in in the 2021 season, a lot was mentioned about the Straline, that sort of luck, champion's luck. Sporting are going to have to need a little bit outside of the pitch as well if they're going to make any sort of inroads. And beat Benfica, who are obviously, with their financial power and obviously the season they made last season, They're the favourites. But I think they're going to need quite a bit of luck to try and combat that in some sort of conviction.
0: Absolutely. Barney, I'll just bring you in on Oruka then quickly. Obviously, they've struggled, well-documented their struggles since their Europa Conference League exit. Um, They've not scored many goals recently. They've not won a game since they were knocked out of the Europa Conference League. They got their goal in this game through Mojica, which I think was a very important goal. We had very high hopes for Oruka that they were going to be the team to buck the recent trend of teams qualifying for the Europa Conference League who then go on to struggle in their difficult second season, shall we say. Um, they took great heart from playing against 10 men. They they had a decent decent spell in the game, but they are really in a in a sticky patch of form.
1: Yeah, they are. I think um, it's taking Daniel Ramos quite a while to work out uh, what he wants to do with this team. Um, I, 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 there's still players in there that I really rate. More like Sida, I know I, I feel like I just Mention his name as an offhanded comment now when I talk about Ruka, but he really is a great, like a really good midfielder. Such good um, passing, um, offers so much to that team. Um, is a real gem, and perhaps one of the areas of the pitch that they need to work on is that midfield and who partners Silla They've obviously lost a few people in the summer as well. Um, that's maybe their weakness defensively. I've, I actually think they're they're quite strong, even with the departure of Jerome Poku. I think um, Rafael Fernandez has sort of come into the fold uh, under twenty one. Portuguese centre back, who, it, despite getting a, that's maybe a silly second yellow, but it's sort of uh, towards the end of this game, took one for the
0: team. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. You had to take that. Really, um, still looks like a, an excellent defender, and 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 generally, I think that they there is an organisation to them. It's it's just maybe a little bit of luck as well. I they some they need to change things round. I'm still like I mentioned. I don't think Ramos Daniel Ramos knows exactly what to do. You mentioned um, Rafa Mujica is obviously a great. So, Christo Gonzalez looked like a fantastic start at the start of the season, but he's sort of dropped out of form, and, and the goals have dried up a little bit for him. Um, but you know, there's 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 real quality there, and I think I, I think we were right at the beginning of the season to sort of say they might buck the trend because I think they have got enough. It's just a question of Ramos settling on a team, and then you know, and building from that. So um, it's not all doom and gloom, but like I think you're right to highlight the sort of poor form they've been on recently.
0: Yeah, no, I think their team I definitely still have high hopes for, and you know some of the signings they made in 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 the summer window were really interesting. Still worth keeping an eye on, in my opinion. But they're the sort of team where they're just in that patch of form where if they don't start to rectify it quite quickly, then uh, things good, things could deteriorate somewhat. And um, all right, fellas, first let's do another game and talk about Braga versus Rio Ave. Braga just seem incapable of having a normal game at the moment. This was off the back of that incredible Champions League comeback against Union Berlin, if, you, if you're if you not aware of that. They came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 uh, in incredible fashion. And they had to come from behind again in this game. Uh, they went a goal down in surprise fashion to Uriah before two stoppage time goals gave them a dramatic three points. Um, they had rotated some of the starting eleven naturally after that Champions League game. Understandably, the players might have been a little bit hung over after that game. But nonetheless, this was a game that I think we expected them to handle quite comfortably, but it was anything but that. And for a second time in a the week, they needed late goals uh, to get the win. Barney, I'll come to you first. Um, strange game. They did They did create one or two chances in, in, in well, the first 90 minutes, um, but they did just seem to be struggling, just slightly off the pace.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd look to those... Um those changes in the team that you mentioned, the, the, the fullback position, um, Andrew Marin and Joe Mendes filling out the fullbacks. It just looked like, you know, uh, Costino, we've always rated for Rio the sort of right wing back. He had, he seemed to have a lot of joy against uh, Marin. And Marin's been a real disappointment actually, since he signed in the summer. I thought I had, high hopes but it's been a couple of seasons now where he hasn't looked quite good enough at all and um, it's no wonder that Christian Borges uh, come back into the team Um, so and on the other side as well, um, is it Fabio Ronaldo for Riav uh, another handy little I'd describe him as a winger rather than a, a wing back but um, he, he he once again just gave Joe Mendes a a real tough time on those wings and that's where Riav are finding joy and Farrago just looked a mess, and that—that's where the first goal came from. Was just poor, um, poor, poor defence, um, defensive actions on the on the wings, and, and and and, to be fair to Rirav they had one or two more chances that one they probably should have put away, and and also the 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 goal that they did get in, um, score, but then was ruled out towards the end of the game as well. You know that.
0: In the moment, you are like, "Wow, <laughs> this is this is it!" Wonderful solo goal from Fabio Ronaldo. He must have been absolutely devastated when that was all about. And I,
1: I was, I was sort of like, "Oh, they had to put it quite far back, didn't they?" Because the offside came mm-hmm. quite early on in the build-up to the game, but uh, build-up to that goal. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I think. Well, there's, there's perhaps two ways of looking at this, and it seems like we're doing this a lot with Braga recently. Is is one to sort of question the sort of defensive frailties and how poor they look, but then. You mentioned the Champions League as well. The fact that they got themselves back into this game. I'm excited to talk about Roger um, uh, and, and hear what you guys think of it, him as well because obviously he came on and got the two assists. The second assist for me is just because he's left-footed, right? And and for the first one, he, he receives the ball. He cuts back in on his left, on the right-hand side, cuts back in on his left to, to whip it in. For the second goal, there's that moment where he's like, I'm just expecting to do the exact same thing again. And then he sees the space, and, and it's it's very well as I describe it, but it's, it's a very quick four. He sees the space, he sees the runs, and he plays it in with his right foot, and it's a delightful ball for the for the winner. I I just thought it was, you know, it, it, I feel sorry for the guy because they obviously made a lot of signings in the in the summer, and and his 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 route to the first team is a bit a bit more complicated. But it was just a great moment for him, and he keeps seeming to have great moments whenever he gets an opportunity for Prague. It was just yeah, really really happy for him.
0: Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because um. All of us and many of the listeners will will remember Roger because this is not his the first time he's made an impact for Braga. Um, of course, he he made an impact in the Sergio uh, excuse me in the Carlos Cavalier days as a 15 year old left wing back who who came in and really made an impression. And all the headlines were about this 15 year old kid playing for Braga. Um, I haven't really watched him since then because he did go back really to being in the B team and, and playing sort of youth team football in general, um, which is fair enough. You don't want to give too much overexposure to a young player like that. Um, what a week for the kid, though, because um, I didn't watch the Youth League, but um, our friends at the Journeymen podcast were, were DMing me saying, I'm at uni in Berlin watching um, the Europa Youth League between Berlin and Braga, and there's a guy called Roger who's who's ripping it up. And a few days later, um, after scoring in the Youth League, he, he, he comes on with 30 minutes to play. His team are a goal down. And what does he do but come up with two sublime finishes, as Barney says, left foot, right foot? And the thing that really struck me, Kevin, was that he looked different from, from when we saw him at 15 years old. He's playing as a right winger. He's taken the number 11 shirt. I love that. And and he played with real maturity. And, you know, it's incredible to think this guy's 17 years old and he's been around for a while, but he was a real attacking positive for, for Braga.
2: He's actually something very special because usually when you go into looking and researching such a young player, you'd think, yeah, he's going to have some technical quality about him. He's probably going to show some mental frailties, maybe physically not as developed as you'd want him. But it's probably somewhat different with Roger because he's not technically awful or anything, like nothing of the sort. But you could probably say his mental aspects are the best part of his game because the only the only reason he really came into the fold with Carlos Calvidal is that he studied Guilin's position at the time so well that even Carvalhal in, in the press conference was like this kid isn't normal like it's a te- it's a tactical intelligence that no one of that age really shows and once again like the 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 reading of the game to realize yes this is a right foot opportunity whip the cross in for that second goal and that second assist was in stoppage time you think the pressure that a 17 year old should be under, this is your moment, this is your time to make an impact. And he whipped that ball into perfection. It's not normal by any sort of standard. And obviously, we're a bit normalised to one of the kids coming into the first team fold, making their impact. And it seems like Roger disappeared for a while. Yeah, he's still 17. Let's, let's be honest here. And honestly, in a team that has Bruma, Alvaro um, obviously, Zalazar can do the half eight or even busy. Like they've got an abundance of options on the wings. It's probably their best position. Not even to mention Ricardo Orte, who's obviously the captain. And you, sh- you could still think that Roger does have a place in this team, and he still does have a lot that he can offer. And as much as it could do be his undoing with less opportunities, maybe it's actually the best thing that he could have, having such rich competition ahead of him. Because you don't want to have too much expectation on such a young player, and he can still produce like this week that he's had. It's not anything out of the ordinary for his talent, but it's probably the best thing for him to grow and have his little space, do what he has to do, and not have too much expectation on him at one point. Because Braga is still a massive club, for especially for the Portuguese reality. So you you don't want to make an Ansu Fati out of him, for example, because as much as these players can have talent that you don't want to overexpose them the same thing could probably be said for Adawusu for example so yeah it's it's great to see him back um i'm I'm pretty sure it won't be the last same time we see him this season it's more of a fact it's more of a factor of choosing the moments than anything else
0: yeah and i think this season when they are playing Youth football at quite a high level, obviously. The youth Champions League, as it were, is is still a great competition to be part of. So there's great opportunities for him, as you said, with those more senior players to learn from as well. Um, let's stay on the positives for Braga um, because I think it was a good, uh, it showed great uh, mentality. Uh, and they are a team with a lot of attacking talent, as you say. Goals for both their key strikers, I think, would be quite pleasing. Banza and uh, Abel Ruiz got on the goal, sh- got on the uh, score sheet. Um, it shows great mental strength to come back in a game when, and every team has these games when you're not necessarily playing dreadfully, just things are not quite clicking, and you know that you need to just stick to your job and and, and believe in your ability, and you and you'll be rewarded. And they did that. Um, I think the the real positive for Braga this season is that they have shown that they that they can score goals, they can create opportunities. Uh, Banz are scoring good goals. Abel Rees, for me always impresses. I think he's. In in some ways, is similar almost to a Paulinho in that he does a lot of a different job for a striker. He does a lot of the the uh, the work that strikers don't want to do. So I think there are real positives for Braga going forward. Barney, go
1: So I just wanted to come in on Aboure because he had a he had a real good opportunity early in the game as well. I'm glad he got his goal, but I just can't help but think that because I love watching him play and he's great, and I, he obviously offers something different to to Banza. I just think it it's for me, it's in despite the fact that he scored in his game, it's starting to feel to me like it's it's becoming a bit of a hindrance to this Braga team, the fact that in my opinion, Banza seems like the only striker who's able to score consistently and he's a completely different dimensional player to Abu Ruiz. I think when Abba Ruiz is in the team, it sort of feels like the attack flows better, but then you're not getting the goals that obviously Banza offers and I don't know. I, I maybe I'm being too harsh on the guy because obviously he did score in this game. But I, I and the, but it's just that opportunity where he, he was. He did well to shrug. He did everything. He got into the box, shrugged almost two defenders off him. The ball was sat there nicely for him, and he just couldn't get the finish. I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to. Maybe I'm being too negative, and you are trying to stay positive. Because uh, but yeah, I I, I I don't know what you guys think.
2: No, you you really can't escape that sort of. The striker needs to score goals, and as much as Abel Ruiz can be an amazing second striker, he's got all the technical attributes he need. Um, he's offers so many solutions to this Braga team. Obviously, makes the attack more fluid. You can't overlook the lack of goals and the the chances he just squanders completely. It's not it's not a thing where he he'll have his ups and downs, and he's had his ups at Braga, and obviously this season at Sporting seems to be another good phase for him. Abolkwij doesn't seem like he has that form where he will just start scoring consistently. It seems like he's a complete hindrance to his game, and it's something a little bit more underlying and more of a composure issue than anything else. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he'll ever be able to escape this sort of can't score kind of attitude or very, very, very inconsistent scorer for a number nine. But, he continues to be a fantastic little player. Hopefully, he can sort out those issues in this game because it'd be a, a great shame because Abul Husein has been showing a lot of promise for a long time. It would it would be a real shame for him to just stay around this sort of good player but not a, a true number nine, which he can definitely become.
1: I was gonna as, as proof if. It, the more I think about it, it was a bit weak. But I was going to compare it to someone like Kai Havertz, you know, who had because just because I was thinking about whether we could see him play behind Banza, which we haven't seen, and we haven't seen him play that number ten role. I know this is a, the ten role for Proger is different. It's not like a second striker; it is doing a bit more defensively. I don't know. Maybe uh, I and obviously he came on this game playing alongside Banza and got his goal. So I Yeah, maybe it's. Um... I, I just feel there's a, there's a place for him somewhere that, 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 that where he would just shine. I don't know where.
0: Well, listen, let's tackle the the elephant in the room, which for me is Braga's defensive frailties. Um, they have got issues at the back. For me specifically, I'm talking about left fullback and when Victor Gomez isn't available, right fullback. Um, I think that was one of the positions that they didn't recruit well enough in in the summer. I don't think Adrian Marin has really got the quality to to make an impact at the level that Braga needs someone to make an impact and interestingly, Christian Borgia as well, who actually has had some of the better moments I've, I've ever seen him in a Braga shirt this season, which is probably coming at a good time, but not exactly a reliable player. Very interesting because they bring in a player like Jose Font, they keep someone like Nyakate, um, and and you think they're, they're set for a good season. But you know Nyakate hasn't been exactly the same player, and, and Jose Font really isn't making that much of an impact at centre-back. I mean, anyone who saw this game, or if you want to go back and watch the highlights... The first, the goal that Rio have scored is just a, 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 the type of goal that that Braga are, are conceding for fun these days. They could have been three, four near down against Union Berlin in the first half through exact situations like this. So unfortunately, defensive issues are a problem. Although as I tweeted during the Union Berlin game, who needs a defence when you you know when you keep scoring goals? But I think there is a serious point which is that if they want to be a, a, a top team, if they want to be fighting for the top three, if they want to be battling in the Champions League group stage you're going to get caught out sooner rather than later.
2: No, it's uh, 100%. <laughs> They're going to have issues sooner rather than later because as much as Brum is in good form, Jalois is in good form, Ricardo Duarte is in great form, Banzai scoring, Abel Ruiz has had his moments, Zalazar looks like he's getting into his, his stride, PZ has popped up with moments here and there. You can't be relying on all of these players hitting pretty much their peak in a Braga shirt at this moment, and then not have anything at the back to back it up. Because being brutally honest, Joe Mendes is not at the level. Vitor Gomes, he's had his issues. Adrian Marin looks far from that player that was at Gilles Vicente. Christian Borja, as much as he can have his moments, he's a very, very limited player, where we've seen at Sporting, he does not reach anywhere near the level that they need. And the centre-backs, it's almost comical at times what's happening because Saatchi looks like a a, a bigger improvement on Jose Font and I don't think anyone expected to say that. Nyakate, he's a solid defender, but he's just got too much of an error in him. And when you're asking a team to play progressive stuff, a high line, um, hit a lot on transition and defend a lot on transition, you're going to get caught out a lot. And Matilde, as much as he's a very good goalkeeper, he does have an error in him. So you're joining together a lot of players with specific weaknesses that, as a unit, they're getting mixed around a lot. They haven't found their sort of chemistry. So they'll make errors between themselves in organisation. And each player has very specific weaknesses they can't exactly compensate for. I don't see anyone that can really compensate for the lack of speed that Font has or fullbacks that can tuck in and are defensively good enough and know their position well enough and don't try and make as much of an impact attacking-wise that can cover for the errors and undoings of Nyakate, for example. Or defenders that can do likewise for the attacking fullbacks. And as much as Almudrati is a very good midfielder, he's a six in the moulds of an eight. He's got a lot of uh, offensive arguments as well, so he's not exactly... A player such as Ugarte, who can really just swarm around in the middle of the park and clean up, is is not like Florentino or Ugarte as much as he's a very, very good player and he does deserve his merit. So, look, it's, it's going to cause problems because they're just not players good enough for the level and Braga want to close that gap between 5th and 4th and 3rd, 2nd, 1st. And had their best season ever last season in terms of points, in terms of goals scored, but realistically they've even with all their efforts to try and bring a bit of experience in the team and they had a good transfer market midfield wise and even in on paper it was a very good transfer market they just haven't managed to bridge the gap and it's going to cause a lot a lot of problems for them in the near future because look you just need to look at that second that that goal as he said there's realistically four players there who are just not doing their jobs. And it's infantile mistakes. It's not a masterclass from Rihwav like that Fabio de goal. It's just so frustrating because this Braga team have a lot of potential. Um, Artur Jorge, he's not a bad coach. They've had their run of the luck th- so far this season, but there is a lot of potential there. So as much as they, I think they took something like four, 34 shots this game, Braga. I managed to be a record this season, and it sounds ridiculous when we say it, but they can't sustain this. As much as they've got such attacking talent, it's not sustainable by any means.
1: No, I, 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 I thought Kevin made a little good points there about the defensive things. The things I'll just add on that is that I think um, Rasic is quite a loss. I think he was a, a when he partnered Mrazic for the sort of uh, the majority of last season. Um, you know, he was that one who was that. Slightly more defensively sound and had that better defensive understanding, so he protected that back line better. Obviously, with Miserati and Zalazar, as Kevin alluded to, it's uh, you know, it's not as the, neither of those are exactly a a, a a six, if you will. And then on, 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 the, on the fullback positions, I just think Adrian Marin is so different to Sicaria, right? Because I, I think Marin be. I've, in my head, anyway, he's he's it's his attacking attributes, which are the, what attracts me to him. It's not so much his defensive ones. So, obviously, there's a huge difference there to Sequeria, who they had last season. And um, and also, I'm not sure if this is right, because to be fair to Alvaro Jallo, he, he he actually uh, made the most tackles for Braga in this game. But I was going to say Yuri Medeiros as well offered something different when he was on that right-hand side, perhaps a bit more um, stability in terms of he wasn't that guy Completely bombing down the, the the touchline, he was offering coming inside and stuff, and that protects, perhaps protected the right back position a bit better. Um, but look, yeah, I think it's this balance, isn't it? That 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 they Artie is going to have to um, Arthur George, sorry, is going to have to um, work out as you know, just try and fine tune things. That's what it feels like to me. It's it, the, the defense obviously needs a lot of fine tuning, but the the attack is is it's almost there. We can we can see everything that that looks good. It's just not quite a hundred percent yet.
0: Yeah, and I think perhaps, obviously, this is the benefit of hindsight, but the other player that they're missing that perhaps they didn't think they would be is Vito Tomeino, who I think was was quite an underrated defender and definitely a profile of centre-back that they don't have at the club anymore. So, um, yeah, interesting to see how uh, how uh, Artigior gets on sorting out that defence. Lastly, then, we should just spare a word for Rio Ave, who I do feel quite sorry for. They obviously did well to get that first goal. Um, they took a very good advantage of Braga's defensive weaknesses. As we said, they had that wonderful second goal ruled out for offside. That that scene when they scored that second goal and and the 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 bench, the the technical staff, the subs are sprinting down the touchline. You know, this is a team that needs a bit of a bit of a lift at the moment. They're they're, they're struggling quite a lot. Um, and then the goal gets ruled off for ruled out for offside, and then you know half an hour later they're they're watching the Braga bench do the exact same thing sprinting off down the touchline when, when Braga have got, got a win I do feel a bit sorry for them um, I don't know whether you would agree with this Kevin but to be honest I do worry about Rio Ave quite a lot Um They've obviously had the transfer embargo. They've not been able to sign new players. And I think there's a the, the easy way of, of looking at that, which is that they haven't reinforced the team. But also for me, when I look at that team, there's just an air of stagnation about them. There seems to be a lack of motivation around the players. And I think that more than anything, because the squad is good enough to survive. But for me, that more than anything is what worries me because this is a team really, really struggling to get any kind of form and to dig themselves out of what is turning into quite a big hole.
2: That's it. Uh, Against Sporting, obviously, they had a bit of a poor performance. um, And I look at their squad and, yeah, it's a lot of what you say. You you look at certain players and you think they could realistically reinforce clubs with bigger ambitions, really. Fabio Conaldo, we've already spoken about. He has that sort of verticality to him. Definitely a very unpredictable player. He's a lot of quality there. And uh, Costinho on the other side is a very well-rounded player. Uh, Ex-Braga, obviously, which is quite funny, but now we're talking about it. They're their captain at such a young age. He's a very solid player. Uh, Amin Adoui, he's very good midfield presence. Um, We'd seen him before at Ferenc, and he had a great impact there as well. So you've got players with a lot of quality. You could do jobs for clubs above them at the moment. And Luis Freyde is a very good manager. He's showed that Nacional even. He gave a good stint there a very progressive manager and he usually has a very well drilled side under him but it seems like the project is stagnating as you've said so yeah I don't, I don't know what to make of them at the moment because I don't think I've seen them in a phase so bad and usually they show a little bit more about them and against Braga it seemed to be if it wasn't for uh, a, a, less ex, a lesser inspired um, Exhibition in terms of finishing, this could have gotten quite embarrassing quite quickly. As much as Priwav did have a couple of chances, so yeah, obviously transfer embargo is going to have its effect. But I don't know; it just doesn't have. They don't have the same air about them. It doesn't seem like a a team in the image of the manager. So yeah, we could look back at games like these and think that these were telling signs.
0: Yeah, I think the last time I looked at Rio Ave in this way was that season where they got relegated. And that time, it was towards the latter part of the season where they just seemed to really slump. You know, and this time they're starting off their season that way. So, um, not very good signs, unfortunately. All right, let's rattle through a few more games. Let's talk about Benfica. They crossed town over to Estriel, um, and won courtesy of a 93rd-minute winner. Um, and they saved some big chances from Estriel in the dying seconds of the game. A um, very dramatic end to this match. Before the game, I thought Estriel would be ruining the prospect of having to play Benfica at a time when Estriel really badly need to find some form from somewhere. But actually, I thought Estriel played very well. In the first half, I thought they had a real chance of of getting something out of the game. They thought they defended reasonably well. Um, they created some decent chances for themselves. As I said, almost managed to grab an equaliser late on. Um, I want to come to you, Kevin, on the manager situation. Obviously, they've just brought in Vasco Ciarba, a manager that we know well. Um, after a poor start to the season, where they did manage to score a lot of goals, but they still lost a lot of games. Very different manager to Alvaro Pacheco, in my opinion. Um, a manager who's not afraid to be more pragmatic, I think, which is probably what they need at this point. Just interested how you think the manager situation is going to affect Estoril, and and how Ciarba is going to react to this this new opportunity in the league. It's quite funny, actually, because um,
2: I saw a lot of people putting the Spider-Man meme when this happened because Vasquez Siabra is actually the understudy of Alv- Alvaro Pacheco, So it was actually quite funny that they just brought in a coach from the same school. But yeah, I do agree. Vasquez um, Siabra, he has a lot less in- uh, inhibitions about him. We saw Maritimo. Uh, look, everything could be going horrendously wrong, but he'll still try and play that progressive style of football. And he has a lot more ways about him. He he can play in a different system and he adapts somewhat to the conditions that he has. Obviously, against Benfica, I thought they had a very good performance overall. Benfica will definitely be the lesser of the two parts in terms of their performance. Obviously, ignoring the scoreline, which is what matters at the end of the day. But the, the, um, the five at the back look to solidify the defence quite a bit. The three in midfield... Gelled together quite well, and made Benfica's life a little bit difficult because once again, it seems to be a little bit similar to what Sporting faced. They weren't moving the ball around enough, and with the midfield that they ended up playing, chiquino and Florentino, um, there was no one really coming back to try and help in build up. So they just lacked a lot of imagination, and the the sort the the patterns of play looked very similar each time. And Trudil, to their merit, they managed to pack in the central areas. And as we know, Vasco Siabri is a manager who has had success in these big games in the past, be it against Sporting and they've beaten uh, Benfica before. So I don't think anyone was too surprised if they look at that in that uh, perspective, that Stradill had a good performance. Now, looking at their defence and their history this season, it was a massive, massive worry because the game could have easily escaped their hands once again if an early chance gets in. Heads can easily drop at this stage of the season because they're not playing with a lot of confidence. But Rusk Siabri is probably the right man because he gives you a bit of a bounce. He instills confidence in the players with his sort of style and he wants to go for games. And if Sturil had a, a little more composure in the final third, they could have scored numerous goals. There were plenty of attacks where... It was actually very, very frustrating for whoever was watching, even Benfica fans. I'm sure at one point, the fact that they couldn't even get a final pass in to create a, a scoring opportunity it seems like they were marauding the final third, but there wasn't even a shot to be made. There was times you were screaming for them to shoot, just find that little patch of space and nothing. So yeah, it's quite funny. still telling by their their season you would have thought that their attack would be okay, but their defence would be the undoing. And it actually ended up being completely different.
1: Yeah, I, I felt like there was a... Yeah, it was a... And it's a really good defensive performance from Mestral. And it's also worth remembering that, um, you know, that, that's, this is with Rodrigo Gomes at right wing-back and um, I always forget his first name, sorry... Uh, Tiago Arujo as well, who I I wouldn't describe them as traditional fullbacks if you were the sort of players who sort of but, but slowly becoming the, the these defend, defensive players. Um. So yeah, I, I was very impressed with that. I I, I mean to, to focus on Benfica and and, and as, as sort of Kevin alluded to with the the, the selection, it was quite a, a strange eleven put out by Roger Schmidt. Um, we had Eusebi coming in at left back and Alves moving to the right and Florentino, as, as you mentioned. And, but perhaps the, the biggest surprise was Tengstead, right? Who, who got the this, this start as, as a striker. Sort of jumping above Pete, uh, Peter Musa, who's for me is their, their number one striker. But also, let's not forget Arthur Cabral, who was their, one of their big summer signings, right? And and Tengstead's sort of been this... I don't know, just a figure who I sort of saw... Um, it was shoulder up the other... Um, Scandinavian uh, player that they signed last January, wasn't it? That that who's that he, gone back to his club on loan for a season to develop. Tengså could have quite easily done a similar thing, in my opinion. In uh, particularly after signing Browse. so to see him get the start um, was a big call. And and he had four shots, wasn't managed, able to capitalize on any of those and, and get the get the goal. It just felt like a a, a big call to make for for Roger Schmidt and and. Perhaps with the, you know, the, maybe even fortunate that Antonio Silva managed to get the winner because uh, otherwise, you know, there would have been a lot of questions asked me on, on this on the selection for this game. It just didn't feel quite, it didn't feel good enough. It just, it felt like a bit of a, a, a left fielder uh, call to make.
0: I have to say, I did feel a little bit uneasy almost watching this game because when you were watching Tangstead up front, you did just feel like you were watching a player not take his opportunity because, you know, he was... He was pretty poor in front of goal, unfortunately. But it's very difficult for a player to come in, as you say, out of the blue and perform from the off. Um, there were two players for me who had a shout of being man of the match. One of them, Antonio Silva, who we'll come on to in a second. But the other player, and probably from both teams who came out of this game with the most plaudits, was Estrella midfielder Rafi Gaitan, who seemed to really impress a lot of people in this game. I think he's impressed a lot of us for quite a long time, actually, Kevin, I know you would have watched him a lot at, at Maritimo. Um, me and Barney were having a little debate on text because I saw someone post a tweet saying they thought Rafiq Gaitan was the most talented player in the league outside of the top four teams. I thought that was a very big shout. I don't know whether I would go that far myself, but he's certainly a very interesting player. And and one of a number of, of, of talented players that Estoril do have, it's important to remember that there is quality in that side, despite the poor start to the season that they've had um, and Rafiq Gaitan I think for those who don't know sort of playmaking midfielder um, who has made quite a good impression this early part of the season.
2: Gaitan is excellent honestly I don't know how Maritimo or Sturil managed to get him it's uh, definitely a, a question to be asked, answered by his uh, by his injuries in the past um, but yeah he's, he's a very talented player obviously the technical ability doesn't lie he's his speed, his dribbling, his passing, all definitely can be put in that category. I thought, I think if he was a little bit more consistent about him and if he had a bit more of a a finish to his play, I think you could definitely put him in that category. Without that, it's very difficult to say. But yeah, very talented player. And Studel as a whole, they, they have very good players. Matthijs Ferdinand looked very good uh, in the middle with uh, Coindredi, who well, was actually a player I wasn't too familiar with, and he looked very, very good. He was a very good uh, midfield pairing, and you have other players like Bernard Vitali, he's a very solid centre-back. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Godri Gomes personally. I haven't seen uh, masses of talent from him to really get too excited, but I'm sure it could come because he had a a very good time at Braga's academy. And you have other players such as the two, Marks, uh, Alejandro, and João, uh, as well as uh, Rodrigo Martins. They've got an abundance of attacking options. And, you know, Cassiano did not have a good time. Neither did uh, Eriberto Tavares. Maybe with the other two or three, if you want to select between them, it could have been a bit of a different story. But still, they have the talent. It just seemed like it wasn't gelling under and even then they were improving slightly, but football's a cutthroat business and they didn't want to wait to see what it could have been another couple of losses and you're really looking at a distraught team and it's a bit of a risk to take when they have made a fair bit of investment this season and a lot of changes to their personnel. So Stadil, they've got a lot of quality and they're going to be more than fine, realistically. But Benfica will definitely be very concerned, not only with, obviously, a poor performance, which can be somewhat explained by the changes that were made, but Arjun, as much as he can, he seems to be able to play anywhere. It looks like he was a bit of a victim of his own quality because right back, it looks to seem like his worst position, although he can play all of them, to a very decent extent. He just looks quite uncomfortable there, and in possession, he wasn't his best day, so... He got found out a bit. Um, David Neres obviously the bright spark for Benfica because defensively they looked out of sorts. Really, you you would think Florentino is that sort of player who can break up um, the the transition, but Benfica were very easy to hit when Stadil went on the offensive transition. And once again, it was their lack of precision in the final precision in the final third that was their undoing. Otherwise, Benfica could have suffered quite a lot. And, yeah, you you could have had Guitan, Even Marcel Carné, he made a few good saves. Trubini had his moments. But you can't overlook Antonio Silva for the man of the match just because th- those blocks in the final minutes. It's not even the goal, which obviously will earn him the man of the match, but his offensive actions were just imperial figure. and. Yeah, but Befigo will be looking at this game. They could get some sort of motivation from Juracek. He had a decent performance overall. Not brilliant, but improving because they don't really have a set left back at the moment. And obviously Bernat is going to come in and try and make his impact. So they can look to that position with a little bit more hope now. But yeah, it's a striker position that is going to be worrying them a lot because Musa doesn't seem to have the same impact when he starts. Um, the, the false nine sort of position, or 9.5 as they call it in Portugal, doesn't seem to be convincing by Rafa when he plays there. He seems to like that second striker position. um Gonçalves could do it in the future. Who knows what level he can get up to. And Tengstead did show some good movement, but he just doesn't seem to fit the system at all. And one thing that um Gonçalves had that... I don't see from any of these players is that sort of defensive contribution and the fact that he can facilitate moves for others as well. I don't see the same sort of ability from Musa, Gedge, Artur Cabral, any of the options. Artur Cabral just looks a shell of what he was at Fiorentina, even though he's quite a limited striker in my opinion. So it will worry them a bit. Obviously, they're still adapting with the signings of um, Kogshu and he has improved a lot in recent weeks. Benfica, do, they don't look plain sailing, which is quite weird for a team that haven't had too many struggles until this point, It's is probably their biggest one this season. But it's not too promising because Benfica last season didn't have too much rotation. Roger Schmidt stuck to that sort of confirmed lineup since the start of the season. But he's still trying to find out that starting lineup that he can trust. And until the moment, he hasn't really found it. and time's going to run out because we're going to reach a phase of the season where you're going to need to know your best 11 and you're going to need to know who you can count with and it's not going to you're not going to have too many games where you can experiment
0: like this I think that is absolutely hits and nail on the head for Benfica at the moment and it was interesting we spent so much time um, over the summer talking about the winner that they had talking about the fact that a championship-winning team had improved on their squad, but actually, when you look at games like this, it does kind of show that there are still a lot of areas for Benfica where they need to improve, and and and, and they're not really sure of their best eleven. I think, like you said, jurasec I thought it was bizarre that Roger Schmidt took him off just as he was getting into the game. He just had his best spell of the match, and then Roger Schmidt takes him off. Things like that, which just show that you know all is not one hundred percent perfect, but. One huge positive, as you said, Antonio Silva with an incredible contribution, a 19-year-old player. Let's not forget that. A leader, mature, great defender, blocks off the line in the last minutes of the game. Um, he seems to love playing in, in Estriol because I don't know whether everyone thinks the same, but for me, it was this fixture last year where he really announced himself as a Benfica player, scored two goals in the same game. And I think that was the game where we really looked at him and thought, this is a player that we need to take very seriously. So, um, he's, uh, yeah, he's made a great contribution to Benfica in this game. Um, all right, well, we're going to do two more games. Uh, I apologise to Porto fans. I think we're going to skip over that one just in the interest of time. Um, and I'm really eager to get on to Shaves uh, versus Gilles Ressent, which for me was the game of the week. Um Game which ended four two with Shavs coming from behind twice before finally taking the lead and then adding a fourth goal in stoppage time to get their first win of the season. This is Moreno's first excuse me, in Moreno's first two games in charge as Shav's manager, he's now got Shavs their first point and then their first win. Um before the season started, I think me and Barney thought they'd assembled an interesting squad. And I think it's just the difference when since Moreno's come in has been dramatic. Um and I think we're really starting to see perhaps that this is a team that, that does have a lot to offer and, and I think those players are starting to believe in themselves after um a very, very difficult start under Jose Gomes. I don't know. There's a few players that have sprung to mind that just feel like a
1: perfect match for Moreno and the, and and the sort of the system that he's brought in, which we we know well from from when he was at Victoria, the sort of 3-4-3, and it's particularly the fullbacks positions, right? I remember when we were researching um, Shavs when they got promoted last season under Vita Campelos, and that was one of their big things was in, SS, in the Liga Salzburg, was was those fullback positions the career, such an attacking right wing back, Bruno Langer as well, and under previous managers they've been forced to sort of play as in a back four, which is is near of their best um well it doesn't bring out the best in them and uh so, so seeing them come in and 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 be given license to get forward again has just instantly brought them back to their best although it was um actually uh Sandro Cruz the 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 left-wing back who um, recently arrived from Benfica B who came on Valanga and, and got a goal from that left-wing back position and that once again is another player who with a little less defensive um responsibility on his shoulders is able to sort of express himself better um i like it a lot Albert. It, it's looking good i, I thought for the N- N- as well and uh, coming back into that midfield a player who did impress me at the beginning of the season and was sort of phased out the team and uh, i didn't understand why um i think he's great at the pass with the ball um and and, and and once again i think in this this shift in formation is really going to help him in terms of what he can offer to the team and and, and Trying to thread through sankar and um, Hector Hernandez, who, yeah, it's 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 just so positive, isn't it? And obviously, this is a just one result, and this is just one game, but it just felt it looks good. It looks really, really good. And 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 Hector Hernandez is a striker that we shouldn't forget. You know, I think we've we've always seen glimpses of him. We've always seen like he's had sort of mixed. Uh, not mixed, but sort of stunted runs of of goal scoring form in, in in the previous season, and but but he he he's always looked like a decent striker, and and they 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 are, they feel a bit lucky to have him, and obviously in this game he was just you know his three goals, he will be very very happy with that, and this, it was a great performance from uh, from Chavis.
0: Well, in many ways, I feel like Cananders kind of sums up this change in Shabs that we've seen. You know, in his last three games, the man's got five goals and two assists. He's put himself on top of the Premier League goal scoring chart. You know, it's, it's it's pretty incredible, and I'm not sure many people saw that coming. To be honest, I don't think many people would have predicted the kind of form that, that he's in. Um, we're actually going to come on to Victoria in our last game, but I want to talk about uh, Moreno now. And uh, the feeling that I have about Moreno is that in many ways he might have fallen on his feet uh, in in getting a job at Shaws because he's gone from and we can debate this, but in my opinion, one of the most demanding jobs in Portugal as, as Vitória manager, and we'll discuss that more when we, when we discuss Vitória's new manager, but I think he's 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 gone from that to a position at Chaves where he's got very little to lose, especially given the position that they started the season in, but also uh, he's inherited a very good squad full of interesting players, a lot of young players as well, which, you know, Moreno's background is in new football, so I think that suits him quite well. I'm really optimistic about about this as a, as a partnership. You know, I think I know it's only been a couple of games, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But there's very positive early signs, and I think for Moreno, he's in a situation now where he's probably going to going to be getting a lot more time to develop, and he's going to be able to build something with showers that probably he couldn't have built with with um, with Victoria. Well, you guys have really hit the
2: nail on the head, really, because look when we look at Maritimo last season. A lot of their issues did stem with Gomes because obviously he has that sort of uh, authoritarian authoritarian presence. You can tell about his communication style and things turned toxic very quickly this season when you look at it, the relationship with the fans, and just his overall his his aura just wasn't giving out the right energy for that squad. I mean, he got it got to like two three games in and he was already having having shots at this and that. You don't really need it in a squad who they weren't getting any confidence from him. And obviously, he has a lot of talk about the desire, the the passion, like all of the things that the typical Portuguese football fan will want from their side. And what we look at, any, any football fan really will put a very big emphasis on it. But the difference is Moreno, he will do it in a more motivational style. And we saw that when nothing was expected of Moreno, when he came in just to steady the ship and transition into a new project, he had his best spell at the club, and he actually exceeded expectations by quite a bit, really. But obviously, wasn't the man to take that club to the next level, which we'll touch on a little bit more in in a in a minute, because they obviously have their new manager now. After actually ha- having another one through the middle who definitely did not work, Mourinho without that sort of expectation has shown with humbler conditions, he can be the man to inspire some confidence and really bring the level of the squad up. And he's done that so far at a club who have pretty much the the worst defence in the league, if I'm not mistaken. That's still the stat that they'll have. Obviously not helped by that resultant uh, to Bolvista. But Gomes said something very interesting. He said that he would not um, resign after that loss because of the attitude that was shown in the second half. And as much as they did steady the ship, you can, say, you can really tell that Bovisha took the foot off the gas. And if you want to talk about attitude and everything that you wanted to see from the beginning in that game, you saw it 100% in this game because Jovicin went winning twice and Chavez managed to pull it back. And they're not in a position where that's particularly easy. So you can tell that a new breath of fresh air has been breathed into the club. Obviously, they don't have the perfect squad or anything, but they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of players that they can make the most out of. Felix Kouaille is the one that comes to mind for me, just seeing the, the bright spot that he was for Maritim. Uh He was great for Gilles Vicente, but he looked to somewhat be paused, and it's not easy for an opposition fullback to do so when you're in a spell of a season that is so difficult. And it looked like the defenders had a lot of confidence in the duels. So it's just little details like that that you can read that this club is a lot happier under Murino. And you can definitely see some potential there. It's not going to be a perfect season for them. They don't have the perfect squad, but I don't see any sort of reason why they can't push on and get a mid-table finish, for example, because they've gelled really well for a space of a few games. I mean the defensive unit looks completely different. Very well gelled together.
0: I think in some ways, uh, Shavs will be a team in two minds about the international break, because obviously it does give the manager a real opportunity on a training hour, but also the way they were attacking games, I feel like they just want the next game to uh to come so they can build on that momentum. Um, and quickly on Jill on Percent, look. Disappointing result from them. They won't be happy at all. Make no mistake, they're not going to be sitting back, going, oh, you know, well, I'm pleased for showers." They will be disappointed that they lost the game from being in a winning position twice. But I think in in this game, they just came up against a team on the up at the wrong time. And 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 Kampelos are still doing a very good job uh, at Gil Um I think we've teased people enough with all our talk about Victoria, so why don't we we come on to to that game now? Um, they won three one away from home at Family Cal in Alvaro Pacheco's first game in charge as Vittoria manager. I found this a fascinating appointment, although I was really in two minds about how it was going to go ahead of this game. um, It got off to a flying start though, a goal inside 20 seconds, a typically attacking display that we've come to expect from Pacheco and I think... um, not against easy opposition at all in Family Cow. So I think it's fair to say things got off to a good start. Kevin, good game, a great win for Alvaro Pacheco. I'm delighted for him. Um what are your thoughts about the uh, the new Vitoria manager and, and the job that he's that he's got to do?
2: I was a little bit questionable when I saw it announced because obviously he didn't have the greatest time at Studil. He the job they did at Vizela spoke for itself, really. I don't think anything needs to be said around there. He did very well with limited conditions and particular signings, if anything, for a club who recently got promoted. But he's gonna find at Vitoria a lot more conditions to work. And he's that sort of manager that you can tell that the Vitoria fans will side with him. He's very charismatic. It's not because of his hat, I promise. Although that does help. It's the training. Yeah, he's he's the drip king, really. He can only the only man to rival him is Korbonamorin. But other than that, he's a very talented manager. He's a very underrated. One, he he's very pragmatic in his way of working, and it can only serve him well because Vitória, as you said, you said very rightly so, is one of the most demanding jobs in Portugal. Um, so you look at Sporting, Benfica, Porto, obviously, but other than that, it's definitely Vitória, and I'd put it among the same level because those fans will get onto your back, but they also will give the club, a new motivation. And that club, United, is a force to be reckoned with. And Pashiko is that sort of manager who can bring a project that you can believe. Moreno started off well in that sort of fashion because he has history of the club and he's that sort of charismatic figure. But Pashiko has more of the technical attributes as a coach that you'll need to take it to another level. He's got a little bit more experience in a in, in managerial role And he showed that he can lead a team to overperform. So I can't see why he can't uh, handle the expectation now and take Vitorio to the next level. Now, they made a number of good signings, really. Um, I'm sure the man that we're going to touch on the most, Jean-Minh, is going to deserve the plaudits, very rightly so, for not only the finish on the second goal, but the rest. Yeah, go Vani.
1: I've got a question for you, Kevin. Did you see this coming with him? I when they signed him, I had very little idea of who he was. Like I know he played for Shavs I hadn't seen anything on him to suggest yeah. that he was going to have the success he has. Like f- was it four goals and one assist season?
0: W-
2: w- do you have the answer? Like what? Where did he come from? What? What is this? Like, I, well, he's they had a very good midfield pairing at Shavs with João Mienge and um, Teixeira mm. it, it, it looked always very promising. Maybe but it in like he was a little shadow. bit more reserved. Hmm. He looked like he was a little bit more reserved. He was the more reserved of the midfield, too, in that aspect, because Stacheda would move a little bit to wider areas and move a little bit more forwards. He was more of the eight in that system. But he's always had the technical uh, arguments to make the impact in the final third. He's doing it now, obviously. And he's he's probably one of Vittoria's bright sparks for the season as a whole. And I don't think even Vittoria fans were expecting in that capacity, really, because. They have an abundance of talent in all sectors, really. If anything, maybe the striker position is their weakest and they did still reinforce there. So, yeah, it's you just look at their entire squad and you see a lot of potential and hardly any of these players have reached their peak, really. You've got a lot of play, players from the academy, a lot of players who have just joined from, I'll put this in air quotes that you can't see, lesser clubs with lesser ambitions like it's a it's a project that needed a man with that sort of character to bring it forward so you can call it somewhat unexpected but you can also see kind of why for Joan Minj and Alvaro Pacheco why it's somewhat of a
0: marriage made in heaven It's a very good point and I think with Alvaro Pacheco I think what he needs to try and do with Vittoria is in many ways achieve what he did with Visella, which is that kind of that family feeling around the club and 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 a, a situation where every player feels valued and every player feels feels trusted which i think is probably something they haven't had um in a little while not necessarily not trusted but perhaps just haven't had that belief in themselves and i think in that sense Álvaro Pacheco is a great manager my reservations still remain slightly over the uh the wisdom behind uh, a team who for me their defense is their weakest part of their game, and signing a manager who oversaw the worst defense in the league for the first part of the season with Estoril. But that said, I know it's not as as simple as that. So um, yeah, I'm just delighted I got off to a good start. Honestly, I breathed a sigh of relief when I uh, when I saw those goals going.
1: And it's worth remembering that you know, Famalicão had a great start to the season. You know, this wasn't an easy game. This was always going to be a tough game. Um, uh, so they, they did very well to to get those three goals and. Um, yeah on family cow i think we've we've highlighted players throughout the season individuals right and i think sometimes it feels like that's not enough there needs to be more of a team performance i think um uh, Aranda came on, for example, had you know showed what he can do in terms of getting on the ball and, and attacking and 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 getting past the man. Otavio, the centre back, who he, who he praised a few times, uh, got his goal and also did did a good job defensively. The but then you look to the midfield and 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 we've got the the Frenchman Lacou coming in who did all right. The Finnish um, attacking midfielder Limata, uh, he seems to have been trusted so much to sort of just come straight into this team and play that number ten role. I remember watching him against Braga just thinking he he looks completely out of depth, although he, I understand he has had his moments since then but it still feels like there's I don't know maybe I there's perhaps a few too many gambles going on. It's good to see Arujo the striker uh, the, ben- the former Benfica striker uh, the Benfica striker on loan sorry getting getting his start in the top now. I, I think he's shown a, a, a bit of more quality than they've had with um uh, Cadiz who he's he scored a few as well but look, I think what I'm trying to say with family cow is that there's there's obviously a lot of things there it just feels like sometimes uh, Joao Pedro Sousa doesn't doesn't get quite the right 11 for the game or just doesn't set the team up well enough um yeah,
0: yeah Joao Pedro Sousa is a uh, an interesting one because he must be one of the managers with the longest standing relationship with their club you know I know it's his second spell but he he's been there a little while and he's obviously quite invested in the project family account when i look at them i i sort of think a lot of uh a lot of promise perhaps you know a lot of ideas going on perhaps too many ideas going on all at once and and, and there are moments when it all clicks um but then there are also moments where i think they look a little bit uh disjointed which given their transfer strategy and 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 the dynamic of the squad i don't think is uh i don't think is a, a surprise to many people all right, well, I think we're going to leave it there for another episode of the Longball Football Podcast. Uh, a big thank you again to Kevin for joining us, mate. You're welcome anytime, of course. Uh, much appreciated. It was a, was a pleasure once again. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. And uh, links to how you can follow Kevin on Twitter and follow all of his work will be in the description of this podcast. Um, just a reminder that if you did enjoy the show, uh, give us a little review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And check out our Patreon page where you can become a longball football socio. A link to that is also in the description of this show. But it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.